Pastor Xavier Reese explains the simple truths of a test of faith. The commentary on the journey of the wilderness is interesting in Deuteronomy 8, 2. It says, You shall remember that the Lord Yahweh your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, listen, to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. Not for God to know, but for them to know. You understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When Pharaoh asked, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? God used the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea to speak to Egypt as much as He used it to speak to Israel. Just like when God delivers us from a temptation or crisis, it's as much a testimony to our invisible adversaries as it is to us. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier provides the background for the continuation of our series in the book of Exodus, with the Israelites seemingly backed into a corner in which God was their only escape. Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 31, and the message is just simply the crossing of the Red Sea. The children of Israel have made their exodus from their bondage of slavery, and they are on the move. Chapter 13, verse 17 to 22, kind of gives us the launching point. God is directing Israel, his firstborn, with complete protection in mind. In verse 17, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines, knowing that if they perceived potential war, they would be fearful and want to go back to Egypt, even though it was a lot closer distance. In verse 18, God therefore led the Hebrews around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, southern, easterly, to the Sinai Peninsula. In orderly ranks, it says, not crazy madness as we saw here a little bit. And remember that Moses has taken the children of Israel back where? Midia, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Now I'll show you, Mount Sinai is not where most of your maps are. That's the Sinai Peninsula. It's over in Midia, Saudi Arabia. Okay? Very important. That's where he's headed. Now, Moses was faithful to take the bones of Joseph, as Joseph had made the children of Israel take an oath, and, and they take them. And book of Hebrews 11, 22 and 12, 22 tells us of the testimony that they were faithful in that. And in verse 20, they traveled from Sukkot to the camp of Etham, to the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord was ever present with the people to provide for their needs and their protection. Uh, very clear in verse 21 and 22, the end of chapter 13. The Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead the way. The Lord went by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Incredible. Now, they, they saw physical things. They were led physically. It was no, no big thing. I mean, you just followed it. You understand? And in 21, the purpose was to direct them constantly so as to go by day and night. And God did not take away that pillar, verse 22 tells us, of the cloud by day or the pillar by night from before the people. This was the Shekinah glory of God that was with them for 40 years in the wilderness. You understand? A people like no other people in all of world's history, the Jewish nation. And so what we have here in chapter 14 is the crossing of the Red Sea and is laid up for us in three progressive movements. But let me read here so we get the running narrative here. 
He says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may turn the camp before Pihath-Hirom, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Belsiphon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, They are bewildered in the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over the army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now, it was told the king of Egypt that the people had led, had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And so he made ready his chariots, and he took his people with him. And also he took 600 choice chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt were captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them and all their horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pihath-Hero before Baal-Saphon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you? In Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the heart of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And he made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass on the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fight for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned in its full depth, 
while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the armies of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord in the servant Moses. Three progressive movements are given to us here. The real basic, but allows us to see the mind, the intent of God, and what only he can do. First of all, we have the march of Israel to the Red Sea, verse 1 through 12. Secondly, we have the plan of God for Israel to cross the Dead Sea in verse 13 through 20. And then we have the crossing of Israel at the Red Sea in verse 14 through 31. The march of Israel to the Red Sea. Here's the beginning point, verse 1 through 12. Notice in the first four verses. The God of Israel gave perfect direction leaving Egypt. He was in control in Egypt and also the first step out of Egypt. Always remember that. Verse 1 and 2, the Lord Yahweh was directing Moses. Moses wasn't making his own plans. This was God directing him as he did within Egypt's boundaries. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and instructed him to speak to the children of Israel, we are told. They were to turn and camp before Pihahiro, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Bel Siphon. Now, there's a lot of commentaries you're going to read, and they're not going to know exactly where it's at. And we don't know some of these places, but we know they're in Egypt. They have to go a little northeasterly to get over there because there you have the Red Sea that comes on both ends. One is the Gulf of, of Suez. The Suez Canal goes out. Then you have the Gulf of Aqaba, which goes up to Elat. Okay? So they're both uh, openings of the Red Sea. It's a peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula in the middle. Notice it says they were to camp before it by the sea. Okay? So they're not going to be encamping on the western side because they're not going to cross over back to Egypt. It's got to be the one on the other side. Because where are they headed? Midia. Saudi Arabia. That's where they're headed. You understand? Now, look at verse 3. The Lord Yahweh, having foreknowledge, knew the thoughts of Pharaoh. That's a good thing to be God. Pharaoh would conclude the children of Israel were bewildered by the land. Pharaoh would say that the wilderness had closed them in. In fact, they had entrapped themselves. You know, they've been slaves for 430 years. They're out in the land. They don't know where they're going. You know, it's like taking you, dropping you into Europe, and you've never been there. And they say, okay, now get to London. Huh? You don't know where you're going. Now, notice in verse 4, the Lord would honor the hard heart of Pharaoh, as we've seen before, his rebellion. This was his doing. The word is the same, jazag, hardened there. It means to strengthen, to make firm. Honoring his choice. Hard hearts only get harder. Evil hearts only get more evil without the Lord. You understand? It's a progression. Notice the outcome would be that Pharaoh would pursue them. Pride and vengeance never are satisfied. You understand? You always take it a step further. Notice God would gain honor of Pharaoh and over all his armies. Of course, he's talking about the ultimate destruction he's going to do. Now, God wants to get glory over your life but through repentance that you experience forgiveness. He doesn't want judgment over your life. You understand? He's going to get glory one way or the other. He preferred to give you grace and mercy. You understand? That's what he wants. He's in the business of saving people, turning them around. 
Now the final outcome would be that the Egyptians would know that he was the Lord Yahweh. And so they did so. It says right here. And sadly too often people will know who Yahweh is at the end. But it's going to be under judgment. But it breaks God's heart. Now notice in verse 5 through 9. The Pharaoh had regretful reflections about releasing the Hebrews from Egypt. I mean now they're gone. They're reflecting on what's going on. And so in verse 5, the, the news reached the Pharaoh about the exodus of the people. And they were probably beyond three-day journey. And, and, and remember, Moses kept saying, we have to go three days to sacrifice to the Lord. And all of a sudden, he really hits them. They're not coming back. The response of Pharaoh and his servants was to turn their hearts against the Hebrews. Again, uh, hatred merely grows just the way it is. Now, they regretted letting go of them. They said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. 600,000 man workforce is incredible. Now, Egypt was already destroyed in many different ways. The labor has stopped for quite a while, but they're gone for good now. And so Pharaoh in verse 6 made ready his chariots. He took his people with him, it tells us. And also his army in verse 7. 600 chariots, choice chariots. With them, their captains... Every one of them. It is estimated with these amount of chariots that there was probably at least a 100,000 uh, army on foot. Soldiers. These guys are trained soldiers. The civilians would be no competition for uh, these soldiers. And then in verse 8, notice the Lord Yahweh hardens the heart. We're told again of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. Again, the word is Shazag to strengthen and confirm. God does not force Pharaoh to be evil. He is yielding to his hardness, confirming and affirming his self-will. You understand? Because if you say that God made him do evil, then you're making God part of evil. And if God makes you do evil and then turns on to judge you for evil, he would be unjust, would he not? It's real simple. Listen, two and two is four. It's not five. It's real simple math. Notice the children of Israel went out in boldness. What a contrast. But this boldness is because of the ten plagues that have taken place. And everything's going well right now. They're unaware of the pursuit. They're glad. They're free. Isn't that just like us? And then you turn around and see the Egyptians. You go, oh, shoot. All of a sudden, everything changes because of what? The situation. What I see. What I hear. Hmm. The Egyptians pursued them. Verse 9 says, and all the horsemen, horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, the horsemen, the army, they overtook him, and they camped by the seaside, Pihath Hero and Belzephon again. And here they are, they, 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 they seem to be in a hopeless condition, but yet God is the one that's directing and guiding, right? Always keep that in mind. If you're walking in obedience to God, then he's directing and guiding you. He sees up ahead, right? You don't. Verse 10 to 14, the people of Israel had second thoughts now about having left Egypt. Nothing has changed except that they see the Egyptian army coming, okay? It's the same God that defeated them inside of Egypt. And so, in verse 10 there, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. They had to have been shocked. They're all on foot. They beheld the Egyptian marching after them, and they knew the evil heart of Pharaoh. They knew he was coming to take vengeance. 
And so the Hebrews were very afraid, it says, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord Yahweh. That's a good, good thing to do. That's, that's commendable. When we get fearful and we get freaked out, we call on the Lord. Very important. They were petrified. Their fear drove them to God. Look at verse 11. The Hebrews uh, did that, and that's a positive. But the bad part is that they lashed out at Moses. You see, we're all nice to God who's invisible, but those that are visible, boy, we're heartless at times. You understand? And we can't disjoint the two. They insulted Moses, saying, Because there was no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Let me get this right. Wait a minute. You, you, you walked out yourself? You were happy walking out? Now I'm at fault? They accused Moses by saying, Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? As if he grabbed them by the hair and drug them out. We as people are funny. We love to be helped, but let something go wrong while someone's helping us. They're in bad trouble, aren't they? <laughs> All of a sudden, it's their fault. What are you messing with my business for? But we were pretty happy they were helping us in our business before. This is the foretaste of 38 years to come for Moses. This is only the beginning. It never gets better for him. You know why? He's dealing with people. People are bad news. We have that sin nature that if we don't walk in the spirit, we will walk in the flesh. Look at 12. The Hebrews reminded Moses of their first objection by his wanting to deliver them. They were content in their slavery, they say at this point. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? And then they expressed that they were unappreciative. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Ingrates. You ever experienced that from someone? Better yet, have you said this and done this? Remember, Joseph was accused falsely by Potiphar's wife of attempting to seduce him. Yet he trusted God and lived to see the good and the great benefit, not only to himself, but all those in his family. He remained faithful knowing that God was in control. Difficult times. God is the only one who knows what is best for our lives. So he wants to guide and to direct us even if there is a Red Sea in front of us. What's the Red Sea you're going through this morning? There will be many in your life as well as mine. When we were in the world, a type of Egypt, we did what we wanted. We said what we wanted. We went wherever we wanted. We were our own masters. But now I'm a Christian. I'm no longer my own. I have been redeemed and belong to Christ. And I'm supposed to be under new management. Therefore, all my decisions are to be subject to Christ. Without exception. For he knows the future things and what he wants to do in me, through me, and by me. You understand? I don't. Listen to the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 119, 133. He says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Great prayer. David says, Lord, put a door at my lips. Great prayer. (laughs) 
One day Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He's preparing them as he's going to leave. John 14, 15, and 16. He's talking about the Holy Spirit who's going to come. And in John 16, 13, he says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. They had the pillar of fire, the cloud by day, to guide them. You have the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Much better. We walk by faith, not by sight. You understand? No different. Better. The ways of God are not looked upon by those in the world as being the wisest. And they look upon Christians as fools. Often, even as Pharaoh thought. Thinking we have wasted our lives by living for Christ. Why why would you want to live for Christ so young? Look at all the partying you're missing. What's the matter with you? The obedience to follow Christ at whatever cost is looked down upon by others. You would decide to obey God and what he's calling you to do. It may be leaving a good job to go into ministry. It may be relocating because you've been seeking God and God is directing you where to go and why he wants to use you there. And to the non-believer or your family who don't know Christ, it doesn't make sense. Being identified with Christ can bring about persecution, even the loss of life. Paul the Apostle certainly understood this, and he communicates to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, listen to what he says. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strain, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from such great death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Did deliver us past, is delivering us present, shall deliver us in the future. He understood that. That's consistent faith. That's consistent confidence in God, knowing I'm in his hands. The people of God are fickle, as I stated earlier. When things are going well, then everybody rejoices. But when things are not going so well, then they are quick to accuse, blame, and even lash out, even as the people did to Moses here before the Red Sea. At times, women blame their husbands for their situation. If he is the spiritual priest of the home and is trying to direct the family, because maybe the wife is a little more worldly or more carnal, and she doesn't want to get carried away with this church stuff. At other times, a husband is carnal or maybe unbeliever, and he will blame his unhappy situation on his wife because after all all she wants to do is spend time in church and she just takes this Christianity a little bit too serious the commentary on the journey of the wilderness is interesting in Deuteronomy 8 2 it says you shall remember that the Lord Yahweh your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness listen to humble you to test you To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Not for God to know, 
for them to know. Because so I've always, oh no, I'm sold out. God says, really? All right, let me throw you a curve. Let's see how we do. You understand? God already knows my heart. The march of Israel to the Red Sea was a test of faith then, wasn't it? Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time together today with a challenge to stay focused on faith no matter the circumstance. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Crossing of the Red Sea. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on as someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Crossing of the Red Sea, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com